welcome to the Financial Dads Podcast with Paul Fagan and Paul Becker. This podcast is for all the moms and dads out there who struggle with life's topics, especially related to family and finances. Now here's my dad, Paul Fagan. Hey, Paul. How you doing? Hello, Paul. How's it going today? Uh, doing well. Fantastic. Um, I think since the last time we spoke, we had the New Year New Year episode. Um, I listened back to it uh, once again uh, for all the listeners out there. Uh, we do listen to our own product. So um, that old saying, the cobbler has shoes. We do listen. We, I, am, I am a fan of our own product, not in an egotistical way, <laughs> but I really do like the fact that I listen back and I'm learning from you, Paul. Um, along the way, and I just enjoyed our last podcast on the New Year's, so I'm going to do another plug for that podcast. Um, on our side, on my side of the fence, um, you know, we're into the New Year, Paul. Um, I started doing my, my 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 tax review and starting to put stuff together. Uh, my son, um, we're waiting on some additional colleges. We've had some initial discussions, as many of you know, have known over the past um, couple of months. My son is looking at colleges. He'll be out of my house in September, which is interesting. Um, and I had a really interesting moment, which I didn't think would get me, got me though, Paul, was when my wife emailed me and said that she had to provide the size, uh, the sizing for his cap and gown for high school graduation. So it's close. It's really close now, right? Like I keep forgetting. I mean, it's only January, but we're going to blink. It's going to be May, June, and it'll be over. Um, so um, we're just waiting and, and seeing how it goes, and we'll just take it one step at a time. So, Paul, how has how's been the past couple of weeks for you? I've been very good. Uh, our younger son is doing an internship overseas in Italy and uh, had a rough time getting there with uh, travel and everything. Something that should have been a normal, normal path ended up taking him, I think, about 42 hours to get to his final destination in Italy. And uh, constant problems along the way, losing luggage, had to go buy clothes and things like that. So uh, ties right into our, our finances. Fortunately, you know, we knew he was going. We obviously, it was planned trip. And we have a credit card that has no financial, no transaction fees for foreign transactions. So again, some of your credit cards may not have that and some may. So it's a feature I intentionally got with this credit card. So if we do travel internationally, we don't have to run into additional transaction fees. Although he found one anyway, he bought a bus ticket and he put it in the machine. It didn't punch. And then inspector came on, checked everyone's tickets, saw it wasn't punched and they fined him 35 euros. And, uh, but that credit card <laughs> transaction fee also came through fine. But, uh, but otherwise, been very good. Been very good, Paul. Oh, very cool. Very cool. Well, we're going we're gonna to skip the stories this week. Technical glitch, or I should say human glitch, um, on our side. Uh, did not have the stories prepared. Want to be transparent to the audience. So we're going to jump right in. Uh, we're excited today. Today's podcast is with Martin Sienz, uh, entrepreneur and investor. Martin is an entrepreneur, investor, advisor, and industry speaker on cash flow investing. So we're going to explore that topic. Um, he is also the author of five books, four on investing and one on government contracting. Uh, we'll talk about various investment strategies today. So, Martin, welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you. I'm not sure I have like a, you know a plethora of investment strategies. I really just do a few things, and and I try to do those to the best of my ability. But I'll give I'll give it a go. Very cool. No, no. I mean, the one thing that jumped out at me, Martin, and I am a an, um, I'm trying to write one book. 
And and for those of you out there, yeah. I've been talking about this book since 2014, and it's on personal finance. And um, I just can't get over. Uh, just, I just can't move the needle. Um, but five books is quite an accomplishment. And, uh, and I think I'm just going to kind of, you know, we'll talk about that a little bit more, but tell us a little bit about yourself, um, family life and, and your journey to where you are today. Sure. So myself and, and my, uh, my wife, and we have four children. We all live in Sarasota, Florida. I have babies compared to you. It seems like compared to both of you guys, uh, my youngest is four and my oldest is nine. So I did have, um, I did have babies later in life as my wife and I, <clears throat> we, we, uh, we, we delayed it, um, due to kind of getting businesses off the ground and everything else. And so, um, I, I have more money now to spend on the children, but I'm much more tired as a result. So, <laughs> so if I had them, you know, 20 years ago, <clears throat> I'd have much more energy. But yeah. uh, but anyway, um, yeah, I, I am um, I'm financially free uh, and have been for past probably eight years. And so, um, you know, I'm most proud of that. I'm most proud that, uh, you know, I could, I could just stop working today and there'd be enough passive income coming in monthly. They would cover all our expenses, the kids going to private school and doing whatever else we want to do in life. And so, but, you know, that came with a lot of hard work. It, um, it came with just a lot of struggle along the way. Um, starting in uh, 04, when I left a corporate job, and my wife and I decided we were going to go into business for ourselves. And so we launched a government contracting company that sold museum exhibit products to the federal government on a prime level. And we started that in 05 out of the basement of our home. And um, <clears throat> we, we, uh, we, we, we found a fast track to going broke, uh, you know, that, that we've never seen, <clears throat> you know, we were, you know, became 225,000 in credit card debt. We were buying equipment. We were trying to um, play with the big boys. And so um, three years later, we kind of dug out of that hole and bought our first commercial building in 09, actually. So it's a little bit longer than three years and kind of started buying real estate. And uh, but we really didn't find um, the freedom of time and financial freedom through small business ownership or, or through real estate, um, holdings, uh, buy and hold properties. Um, 2013, we sold our company and really just, you know, that was kind of a turning point in my life where I had some money and, um, we still had our properties. And I just said, you know, what am I going to do now that's going to build freedom of time in my life? Cause we just started having children and so the priorities started to shift, and that's when I found mortgage note investing. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, and I'm curious to hear. There was a lot of things there that yeah. I want to kind of jump at. So you work very closely with your wife, which is awesome. Um, and and I'm I want to hear a little bit more about that and how you guys have been able to work together in that space. Um, I, like you said, there has been struggles, and I don't know how. If I had to work with my wife full time, it'd be interesting. So I'm curious, maybe we could div- kind of go on the side for a sec. How did that work? And you don't have to go too deep, but just I'm curious how you've made that work. And is there any secrets to that success of making that work with, with your significant um, other? <clears throat> no, there's, there's, uh, 
I'd say there's, there's patience. Um, so defined roles and responsibilities. So she, she ran operations and I ran sales and, and, and installation. And so <clears throat> as long as we kind of keep separated, it was good. And then when she would come into my area of operation, then she would just boss me around. So, <laughs> and, and so, so as long as I could like have some tolerance that way, like we everything was fine. So <laughs> That was pretty much. That's I don't know. That's a secret sauce. So. No. So, so more very cool. Quick, quick question. You, you, mean, you said something earlier, and I'm curious. I want to dig on this a little bit. Uh, again, because as Paul said, uh, likes to say, and is correct. Personal finance is personal. So, it sounds like you made a conscious decision to start your careers and have kids later. And do you think that? you know, really impacted you. I kind of did the opposite. You know, we started, we had kids earlier and while I still focused on the career side as much as we could, but you know, my wife, God bless her, was able to stay home with the kids for a while and till a certain age and then went back to her career. But I'm wondering, do you think having them a little bit later helped you in that sense? Or did that help you drive you then to where you are now? You know, I'm curious. It helped me um, <clears throat> build some some toughness in in uh, in my character. Um, I had uh, when when before we had children, and while we had this small business, and we were getting it off the ground, <clears throat> you know, I, I I wasn't I didn't have a spiritual relationship with a higher power. Um, you know, I would you know money would come in, and and I, I wouldn't be spending it wisely, and I kind of learned hard lessons along the way. And, and also too, from, from a humility standpoint, like I didn't have humility in my life. So, um, I would just say that even though we didn't have children, like we, we still, the business was our baby. You know, we put everything into it, work hundred hour work weeks around the clock. And, and so, um, and then I would have to travel around the country. So it was just kind of wear and tear. And I just started to hate it but it was still very profitable. It just became very profitable. So, um, it didn't, it didn't meet like our initial objectives. We wanted to go into business to work together, to be a power couple, to, to grow together, <clears throat> start a family and just have, you know, find that kind of peace, joy, and happiness along the way. But we found like, we found, you know, it to be lucrative, but there was a lot of strings attached um, so in 2013, we sold the company. We just had our first child. Um, we realized that um, the, those two, you know, we couldn't do 100-hour work weeks. My wife wanted to stay at home, raise raise the family. And so um, that was also a point where I found um, I, I found a spiritual side to myself. Uh, I, I became a Christian. And, and, and so it changed my whole perspective, whereas... Um, you know, I was just looking to make money for money's sake. And it, it made me look at the world and say, what can I do to be of service to others at, at a great level? And, and so kind of really just kind of paradigm shift in, in mindset. And so um, from that point, you know, right a few months later, I, I stumbled upon mortgage note investing. And what I found is I could buy, this was 2013, launched a hedge fund. I found that I could buy mortgages where the homeowner hadn't made a payment in a few years and I could connect with them and work out a payment plan that would help keep them in their home and, and while making a profit for my company. 
so it was just a great thing, um, you know, buy, buying this property instead of foreclosing and displacing a family, I could go and figure out, you know, what kind of payment would work for them given their circumstance and see if it matches up to the return expert expectations I have on my side and create a win-win. And so, um, got hooked on that, doing that as much as possible. And what I was doing, um, along the way, which I'm, which we're still doing today at, at a much larger level, um, is that we're building passive income with each mortgage loan that we modify. And so, um, you know, and, and these are, when you modify a loan, you're getting 20, 30 year amortized, um, you know, payments coming in. So, um, you know, fast forward a few years, I've, I've written some books on it and I felt a calling in 2017 to share what I know with other people. I was in church actually. And I was just, um, something came to me. It's like, you know, share what you know. And so I wrote a book and how I kind of did it is it took me four months. I created a timeline and then I just, just chipped away. I did bullet points for each, each um, point in the timeline. And then I just create converted to paragraph form and had a lot of editing done along the way. And so this book became a, a Amazon bestseller immediately. And it's still on Amazon. If you kind of punch my name up, note investing made easier is the book. There's other books on there as well. And, and from there, people started reaching out to me and the first person that reached out to me is uh, his name, Sean Munyo. And actually he, be, he's now my business partner. We, he came, he flew out to see me. I was in DC at the time. We started doing some deals together. I trained him. I mentored him, started doing some deals together. And, uh, and, and I found like there was synergistic effect and he comes from an IT background. So he's got technology, he's got finance, he comes from corporate America. And so he, he brings that kind of that other element. Like for me, um, my level of IT expertise is I did in my MBA with an, a management information systems concentration at Drexel. And so what that equated to was me being the spokesperson to a group of Chinese and Indian students as they were doing all the technical stuff. And I was just presenting at, to the professor on things. I had no idea what I was even talking about half the time. So that, that was my, that's my IT extent. And so, um, you know, from there we've built a company where, um, where, uh, you know, we launched BeQuest a few years ago and, and BeQuest buys only seasoned performing mortgages from the secondary mortgage market. And we buy them in at a yield of 11 to 13% and we pay our investors out at 9% and we make our payments to our investors monthly. And um, myself, I'm the largest investor in the fund and my partner He's, he's up there too. I mean, I have like 800K. He has like 600K. It's a $50 million fund. And what it is, is BeQuest, the name itself is, it's a legacy play. So it's, it's for individuals that let's say they want to retire at some point, they want to build passive income for themselves and they need to earn $180,000 a year to meet their financial needs on a monthly basis. So they would need to invest $2 million into BeQuest, maybe not initially as a lump sum, but just along the way, kind of build it up. And, you know, once you hit the $2 million point, then it's going to spit off, you know, 180 k annually, and it's going to pay you monthly. 
and for the rest of your life because it's set up as an evergreen fund. So we, we set up this tool as a way to build passive wealth for uh, our families and, and for us to leave it to our children after after we're dead and gone. Yeah, I love the being in the real estate business without worrying about broken toilets or, or other landlord issues. But I do want to ask, what are some of the negatives that you might have experienced along the way, right? And, may, and I, you probably talk about this a little bit in your books, but th- there's a lot of positives here. And it's really a great story and a, and a very <laughs> great idea. But are there, a, are there things to watch out for? Are there things that you've experienced through this where you say, oh, we didn't think about that? Or, oh, that was, we got through it, but that I didn't foresee that. Was there any of that that came up with your, with the strategy that people should know about? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, this is a real niche space. So everyone knows each other, um, reputations, everything. And so from a sourcing standpoint, acquisitions of these types of, of loans, um, it's very difficult to source product. There's very, very limited supply. And a majority of the deals are off are, are, um, off market trades. So they never see the light of day. They're just between buyers and sellers that have long existing relationships. Um, also too, another, another um, challenge with the industry is compliance. There's a lot of licensing that's required on a state by state basis, plus on the federal level. So you need to have, um, you know, compliance officers, you need to have attorneys that you have retained that are going to help you stay in compliance to make sure that you're doing everything according to um, you know, state and federal rules and regulations. And that, the, the compliance is ever increasing. So it's not like it's not something at a steady pace. Um, the other thing is, uh, you know, from a due diligence standpoint, knowing what you buy before you buy it is everything. So all the things that um, a bank does from an underwriting perspective to understand, um, you know, the collateral, which is the property, understand lien validity, lien position, uh, fair market value um, on the homeowner side, you know, credit reporting, skip tracing, background check, uh, bankruptcy checks and other various other kind of uh, due diligence analysis work that goes into it. So if you buy incorrectly, then your end products is not going to be what what you expected. And then there's a whole other back half um, of the industry on the asset management side where we're working with homeowners and, and creating resolutions. So quick, I have so many questions right now. Oh my goodness, I'm sorry. Um, so uh, one, what is skip? What do you want to start with? The $2 million? <laughs> I, I do have questions though about that. <laughs> um, with what is what is skip tracing? I, I don't know that term. Yeah, so okay. that's background check. Uh, so um, yeah, if we're if we're doing a loan modification and and um, you know we're doing some skip tracing and we find that the person's incarcerated, then chances are they're you know it's not going to be like a fruitful relationship. Okay. So next one with the loan modifications, generally how long are the modifications? So if maybe someone has fifteen years left on the current line. Are you going to thirty then to mm-hmm. to make that balance? But if someone's 25 years in on a 30 loan, it probably might not work for your methodology, right? Well, we're looking at everything. I mean, there's, you know, we can do interest rate adjustments. We can do principal balance adjustments. We can do term adjustments. So there's other components to that that, that make up that that obligation. 
and uh, that we can make adjustments to to hit a certain monthly um, target. Wonderful. And then another one. I'm sorry, Paul. I have one more quickly in my mind. Um, with So say someone has, they took their old 401k, they rolled it to an IRA. Is that able to invest in this type of fund? Or is it directly sort of like a, a cash thing? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Every week. So I run investor relations um, for for the fund. And um, every week we're, we're working with people to roll over their IRAs into self-directed and, and so they can start investing into, um, into uh, Bequest. Actually, this week we had one person, um, both from Jersey, uh, one's coming in for 270, 275K, one's coming in for 250K. It, it, I suspect, and this is just, just a hunch, every time the stock market, something negative is going on in the stock market, I, yeah. we get more phone calls. We get more inquiries and people interested in coming to the fund because they want something that's steady and predictable. And, and they may have made their money in the stock market, but they're, they're just look, they, they kind of see something you know, in the market that's going to – Yeah, I think we all took a hit in the last week on the market, right? Those of us in, in any sort of fund – Pretty much took a hit in the last week. Um, I don't have a penny in the stock market. Okay, so so you didn't. I did. I I just kind of follow it because when I get more phone calls, I actually look up news in the stock market and it says, oh, well, bank, you know, bank shares are down and that's why the stock market. Yeah, and Martin, I definitely – this is so coincidental and timely. And this is what I love about the podcast. I think um, in the last – 15 minutes, we threw all our notes out the window. Yeah, sorry, sorry, about, sorry that. about that. Right, we, we always tell the, we tell people we prepare, <laughs> but you hit on something that I've been looking at literally for the past month, and that's the whole concept of a self-directed IRA, right? So just to kind of open the door a little bit, my thinking on it was, um, you know, I have my, my IRA. Whenever I've left a, a role at a company, I take my 401k, I roll it into an IRA, right? So I've had several jobs over the past couple of decades. So um, I have a separate account always from my, from my current 401k with my employer. Um, I was looking at commercial slash residential real estate investing and specifically uh, a piece of property that was of interest uh, to me. So um, I'd love to hear more about the process of the um, self-directed IRA. How do you guide your clients or customers through that process? And, And can you tell us a little bit more about it? I'd love to get more informed on it. Yeah, absolutely. So we we hooked up with a company called Midland IRA, and and what they've done is they built a portal for us whereby they've given us a link, and and if someone wants to roll over their IRA, I send them this link, and they apply right online to fill out a form. It takes five minutes, ten minutes, and then and then Midland starts the process of rolling over the IRA, and then once it's done. We're, all our paperwork and contracts are, are integrated in their portal, so so the the investor can just go go through and do the DocuSign right on the portal, and then and then we and then funds are wired into Bequest, so it's very seamless. Uh, it's a very seamless process to do the IRA rollover, but the the key to it all, key to all of this, and, and this is the most significant component, is that, and this is something I learned a number of years ago that changed my perspective. I only I only invest in assets that cash flow and that I can control. So so um, 
an IRA uh, that invests in the stock market or they give me limited selections where I can where the money goes, that's no control. You have no control over that. You've given your control to Wall Street and you've given your control to people you will never meet and people who could care less about you. And and so with the self-directed IRA, you're giving yourself control. But with that control comes responsibility and education. And so this is where you need to know that you have a finite amount of capital. And so you need to strategically place that where you have you know capital preservation in mind as, as well as you're kind of maximizing your returns. And that's where the control comes in. But here's here's the 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 the, the biggest part of all of this is that I only invest in assets that cash flow. So if it's not going to spit off monthly cash flow, I don't want to know about it. Because in my world, I don't know about your you 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 guys your worlds, but I have monthly expenses. So I need to have monthly income coming in to offset those monthly expenses with everything I do. And that's kind of wow. how my mindset so- works. Quick, quick question. Uh, we're obviously very excited by this. I, I actually pulled up my uh, my IRA account to see what kind of balance I have in there already. I just did that while we were talking. But um, my my question for you is: What's the you know success rate of these you know loans that you've taken on and you know redone essentially? You know. Yeah. So. So success is measured a few different ways um, from a profit. So we have we have two companies. We have the hedge fund that buys the distressed mortgages and works with the homeowners to help them back on their feet. And then we have Bequest funds that buys only seasoned performing residential um, mortgages. And, and, and we receive monthly payments in and we in turn pay our investors. So on the on on. That side of the fence, on the Bequest side, we launched it two years ago. We have a perfect pay history. So we ACH payments to the investors on a, at the beginning of each month. So we've never missed a payment and everything runs on clock, like clockwork. And we monitor the performance of those mortgages that are paying on a daily basis. So there's metrics in, in place. We have a controller that monitors those metrics. There's dialogues with We have an asset manager. That's their only job is to make sure those mortgages continue to pay. Now, on the distress side, um, what I view is our, our largest success. I mean, we've, we have very, you know, there's high risk, high return type environment. Um, I, I look at this metric. And that is, we only have to foreclose on one percent. That's what I was getting at. Thank you. That is an insane number for a hedge fund that buys distressed mortgages. Normally, hedge funds that buy distressed mortgages they they start foreclosure. They take about forty forty you know thirty percent of their mortgages. They take it to sale and take back the property. We're only doing it one percent of the time which speaks to how compassionate our, our team is in working with the homeowners and really trying to find a way. Wonderful. That's what I was sort of getting at actually on the distress side was the success rate there. And that's, that's a quite amazing. And, uh, God bless on that. Cause that's, that's a great, uh, altruistic goal. And uh, I love how you're doing it. I, I really do. I'm actually personally super excited by this discussion. This is a, uh, one of my favorites thus far, Paul. 
Yeah, absolutely. Get, get your self-directed IRA, uh, yeah. wherever you get it. I mean, you know, forget Bequest. I mean, you got to get it. There's there's a lot of good self-directed IRA companies out there, Forge Trust. I have my all my money in Forge Trust. I have a Roth IRA. Um, there's, there's you know, Big Boy is Quest, um, you know, the Midland IRA. There's just a number of them. But uh, that whole the whole notion that you're taking control of your finances is really what. It yeah, I think about. I think you you've said it correct. Like when I look at and you hit it on the head, there is no control. Right. So, you know, to what Paul said before, at one point, the IRA, you know, or your investments are doing really well. And then a month later, they may not be doing so well and then they bounce back. But really, you know, there's really no consistent control over it. Right. It really is sort of, well, it's the dare I say, the luck of the market, right? And I think that's where most of America is focused, right? Fortunately or unfortunately, probably more unfortunately, you know, that's that's the investment game now, right? So everybody is kind of in this whole um, mode of, you know, very little pensions are around anymore. I forget if it's less than 20% of the jobs uh, give you a defined pension benefit at the end for that kind of sustainable income. Um, And everybody is kind of spinning wheels to 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 get there as much money stuffed into um you know these these retirement plans that are that are not quite they not quite self-directed right they're they're more um you know like you like you said you have no control over it and you hope that you stuff enough money in and when you retire there's enough of an uptick in the market that you could catch that wave and maybe liquidate you know, some of that money into government bonds to get some of that sustainable income. But even with all the analysis, and, and I'm, I'm probably oversimplifying it because people will look at different funds to invest in and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, to your point, there is no control in your hands for any of those, right? You buy an S&P 500 fund, you don't have the control over it um, to, to kind of do what you want to do within it. So I think that that's interesting. Um, and it doesn't spit off monthly cash flow. So every time, every time I, I receive a homeowner payment, every time I receive as a landlord, I receive rent, rent payment and, and I have a net amount that I'm looking at, I mitigate the risk of that investment each time I, I receive money back. And, and when you look at like traditional IRAs, they, you know, they say, oh, well, the whole world's open to you as long as you choose option A, B or C. Well, how do they, how do the 401ks determine what options to give you as an employee or, you know, self-employed, what have you? It's because there's backdoor dealings with, with between broker dealers and platforms and everything else. So the whole thing is rigged against you, the, you know, the, the, the employee putting money away where you're playing a whole appreciation game, which is, I hope what I put in is going to turn to something someday. And by the way, what's uncle Sam doing right now? Uncle Sam is looking for new ways to increase taxes. So when you're ready to take out your money, uncle Sam's going to be there in a major way to, to be your partner, your business partner and, uh, and, and take as much, take as much. Yeah, as, well, one as of the things I'd love to see, and, and sorry, where, one, of the, one of the things yeah. I'd love to see happen yeah. is corporations have to, by law, after every X number of years you've been there, allow you to take 50% out into and roll into a regular IRA. This way you have more control over it. Now, I made all that up, but that's something I think would be so powerful for, for us as the individuals. You know, we have people where I work, 
you're taking away control. Though. I know. You're like you're you're saying, hey, because there's fees. These guys are making fee upon fee. That's the only thing consistent is right, they're getting right. their fees. And you're saying, oh, we'll give up your fee, and they're going to be like, well, you know, you'll you'll be assassinated yeah, well, before it, that. Again, happens. yes, but I'm saying, all right, every five years you can take up to fifty percent and transfer to a wherever you want IRA fund. Right. So they're still getting some fee, but probably less. Because if I look at where I am, you know, there, there are people who've, who've been there 30 plus years. Right. And they've been putting their retirement plans for that long. And it's, um, they're kind of stuck to use, right? That they have minimal choice. And when you change plan carriers, well, okay, now I have to move over to XYZ company and find funds there and, and hope it works. So, yeah. I think from my own personal experience, right, it, it's, it, it, is, it is sort of working. So if I look at my – what I've put into my, my normal 401K, which is the, probably the most restrictive. You're, you're limited to you know, 20 funds or less in that fund. And then when I've left to go to a different role and I've rolled into an IRA, I definitely do have a broader array of investment opportunities within that fund. Um, so and, and I've been – Thankful, grateful so far. There has been a decent amount of, of you know, relatively speaking, uh, you know, uh, imp- appreciation. But I have a, I do understand you, Martin, completely on this self-directed front because I have been investigating it coincidentally, right? Because I think that there is a lot of a lot of good things if you structure the self-directed IRA in a certain way. You know, if you open it up and you make the right investments with it, like your fund or investing in real estate on your own or whatever that may be to give you more control over the investment, um, I think it's a good thing, right? So, I, And I think for me personally, if I were to go the self-directed route, I don't know if I would do all. I'd probably do a portion and then test the waters. I'm very risk adverse. That's been a theme throughout all of the podcasts uh, that I've talked about, Martin. But once again, I love the fact that you're bringing this fresh new idea to our listeners for them to judge for themselves, right? And that's what we always do when we bring people on like yourself, people who have made it, people who have great strategies, great thinking, great forward thinking, and trying to figure out, you know, and listen to how they do it. And I guess my next big question is they can invest with somebody like yourself, but let's say somebody wants to start one of these on their own. Is it something they could start on their own, Martin, if they wanted to just bootstrap it and start it? Or do they need to come to a company like yourself to make these types of investments? Oh, for in the mortgage notes industry? Yes, yes. Yeah, they, that's, you know, I, I, wrote, I wrote all the, the three note investing books to speak to the entrepreneur. So I've given our business strategy, our business model to set up a note business for themselves. So if you have, if you have the time, if you have the money, if you have the, um, uh, you know, the effort, then, then, you know, go have at it. It's, uh, it's, you know, like any other business, there's, there's complexity to it. There's uh, pitfalls, but you know, if you're willing to kind of learn along the way, then you can set it up for yourself. And and you have the five different books. Could you kind of just uh, are they all along the same? I know four on investing, one's on the government contracting. Uh, can you talk a little bit about your five books? 
Yeah. So, um, yeah, the government contracting book is the best seller out of all of those books um, because for some reason, everyone wants to sell to the federal government, <laughs> apparently. But it's called Secrets to Winning Government Contracts. And really where um, I take a lot of pride into what we built on the when we were selling to the federal government is that we were small players and we we figured out a way. It took a few years to obtain prime federal contracts with the Pentagon, NIH, and some other major installations. And and whereas when you're a small player in the DC market, you're always subbing. You're like tier two, tier three sub, and you're taking crumbs from the big boys that hold the prime contracts. So um, <clears throat> I I wrote about kind of that that pathway to uh, you know, be small and obtain prime federal contracts. Um, I wrote three note investing books. Uh, the most uh, recognized ones, Note Investing Made Easier. So I just kind of lay out my day to day as a note investor. However, the one I'm most proud of is Note Investing Fundamentals, where where I really speak to the person who who is a novice note investor. They're just starting. They're just testing the waters. And it, what's interesting is there's people that are just testing the waters for 10 years. You know what I mean? So it's not even like they're just doing it a few months. So I speak to that individual. How do you transition from being a novice into running a full-fledged note investing business where you're set up to, to handle compliance, you handle all, all um, you know, the intricacies of the industry? And a book I wrote two years ago is Cashflow Dojo, uh, Building Your Home on Multiple Streams of Income. And there... I really, really wanted to speak to um, individuals that have uh, a, a single income in their family or dual income in their family. And I'm here to say that I believe in my mind that, that um, that's not enough, that, uh, that, that one is not doing enough for their family. So it's interesting when how we define risk and being risk aversion, because to me, it's very risky to only have two incomes coming into a household. And, and so and, and it's very risky to give money to Wall Street and hope that the, something will be there at the end of the day. And so giving control to someone else and given now that we're seeing inflation, how it is, and we're seeing, you know, how how the government manipulates CPI numbers and, you know, everything else that inflation is much worse than it is. Than they than they explain it to be, and so and we're seeing that that nobody's really looking out for you, and and one needs to start looking at different ways to build more passive income streams into their lives because there's only so much time in the day to increase active income, but you should be looking at both of those things and measuring both of those things on a monthly basis for yourself wow. and your um, family. I, I love that. Uh, question for you, you know, with, with inflation, the way it's going, um, we all know that, right? You, you go to the food store. I no. didn't offend you, Paul. Me? Did I? Was, Paul, Paul Fagan. Oh, what no, happened? Paul Fagan. Did I offend no, you? No, 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 no. Um, you got me thinking, <laughs> right? Like, I think that... Okay. Um, once again, right, I, I don't, I'll get I'll kind of get on the soapbox. What I love about the podcasts is learning about new ideas, right? And and I was going to use this as a summary recap, but I'll kind of jump into it now. Like it's it's really about opening your mind and then making your own decisions. I I, I I'll have to really think, and and I I've had a few of these moments, and like I said, I was very interested in the self directed. But no, I 
I could see that angle, right? And as you were saying about the risk conversion, it, it, it got me because I'm that person, right? I am exactly that person who I believe that fundamentally that if I work hard and my wife works hard and we keep our heads down and we just keep working, 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 um, and we and we put enough money away um, into these retirement accounts that at some point, you know, we'll get to retire and there'll be money left at the end of the rainbow to, for us to do it. And I think, personally, I think there will be, but I, I love your, 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 your concepts on this because it could be even bigger than what it is now, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, for X, I make, I put in an X number of dollars with that strategy that I have. If I were to take on this passive income strategy, um, which we have a good friend of ours that we're going to have on the podcast at some point that we went to college with, he's doing a massive amount of real estate investing. I think he's up to 14 or 15 mm-hmm. homes around the country. He's going to be uh, your neighbor pretty soon in Florida. Um, it'll be Paul's neighbor pretty soon in Florida at some point. Yeah. If he's not already, I think he's still West Coast. But opening your, yourself up to that mindset. So when I'm in the gym, and this is where I do my podcast listening, either on an elliptical or, a, or an exercise bike or whatever, I will be listening back to this and kind of just digesting every morsel of it. And hopefully that might change my mindset a, a bit. So that was a really long-winded way, Martin, to say I am not offended. Mm-hmm. I'm actually grateful okay. that you're on today <laughs> and I got more out of it. I'm getting more out of it than I expected. So thank you. Yeah, yeah. I'm getting, I'm getting so much out of this. Uh, uh, but, but I want to go back to where I was going a minute ago, and that's around you know with inflation and interest rates going up. Uh, what do you think? Or do you have a concern about the distress line that you guys have and the impact of some of that? Because obviously they were distressed for many reasons, whatever the reason might be. Personally, you know, maybe it was just hard time for a little bit. I don't know, but. Just curious to know your take on the market because it's so crazy hot right now and it's going to slow down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so that's the beauty of, um, you know, with our operation internally, uh, you know, our acquisition team, we we are very thorough and we vet these mortgages coming in into our, our facility. Um, and we're very diligent about monitoring the performance on a daily basis. So if there's anything that's off, then we'll be able to react right away. Now, also, too, given that we buy these in at a discount into Bequest funds, our investment to value um, sits at about 63% for our portfolio. So so another way, to put it another way, that's like a 63% loan to value. So we have a lot of equity cushion on these mortgages that we buy into Bequest, and, uh, you know, if there was something that goes sideways or the market did lower fair market values across the country, we would have some insulation and protection against, um, you know, the inevitable. Now, on the distressed note side, um, there's there's going to be there would be an increase in product and a decrease in pricing uh, upon any downturn in the marketplace. So actually, we're we're kind of. um we, we kind of have some some protection against uh, what the stock market's doing. But there there's something coming. I think everyone kind of senses yeah. there's something coming. Um, you know, the, the Fed 
the Fed, the you, Uncle Sam, they have decided to print money beyond belief. Um, you know, there's you know, with the increase in currency and circulation since COVID, 25% or 20% of the currency has been printed just in the past few years. And so they've decided to in, increase inflation because it's a hidden tax on the American people. And and what's going to come next is they're going to have no choice but to but to increase visible taxes. So property taxes are going to go up because of all these property uh, valuations spiking. Um, sales taxes are going to go up. There's going to be an increase in taxes, I believe, across the board that's going to just hammer hammer our world in the near future. Yeah, and and I have to say, Martin, I I would love to keep you another two hours. <laughs> but I want to be cognizant of your time. I will, We would love to have you back at some point, but I definitely want to be respectful of your time. I do have one last question for you, and, and it sort of ties back to what you said at the beginning of the podcast and, and the phrase freedom of time. I, I haven't heard that before, honestly, and I thought it was a great, great concept. And the one last question I have for you is um, how is this freedom of time impacted your life? What is the best benefit? Or can you talk a little bit about freedom of time and, and how it's affected your life? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so freedom of time, I'll just say for my wife, the thing I'm most proud of in my life um, within my family is that in the past, in the past nine years, my wife has not had to think about money at one, one second of her life. And, and so she's able to do what she wants and she spends, um, a lot of her day volunteering at, at the school where the children go to spending time with them, being with them. And so that's, so freedom of time is not just me. Like I can go wherever I want, go to happy hour early or whatever the heck. And, and so, but for me, it's like, I go, um, I'm involved in the in the kids' school, uh, going to parent events, uh, you know, taking my children to doctor's appointments, uh, just coming and going as I please. Now, with that said, people that have freedom of time usually are very responsible, disciplined individuals. So I put in the work, you know, like I work because I, you know, but I work because I want to work and I want to grow this and I want to serve more people and I want to serve all these investors that believe in us and you know, we, we employ 14 people. There's 14 people outside my office and we're hiring five more in the next 60 days. So, so we're, we're growing. We are, you know, positivity is happening. And, uh, and it's just, it's an incredible, incredible, um, experience spiritually as well as kind of physically and financially. Very cool. Very cool. Well, with that, we usually go into a summary recap. So I'll start and I'll kind of reiterate what I said before is, you know, to the audience, you know, listen to the podcast, open your mind up um, and make your own decisions. Uh, personal finance is very personal. Um, we want to give our listeners an opportunity to listen to ideas and and go through them and iterate on them and ask questions and, and such. So, you know, give it a listen and, and make your own decision on how you want to you know, d digest this type of information. Uh, Paul, what was your uh, recap for today? Uh, th this was incredibly eye-opening to me personally. Uh, I learned a lot. Uh, I, I can't express how much I've learned and it's got my gears turning uh, already. I'll probably be calling you later, Martin, um, to talk more about it. Yes. But, you know, I, I saw a quote recently Make sure you keep the recording on. Not that far, Paul. But, you know, I saw a quote recently, and 
it, it's I'm, I'm going to read it, uh, but it's it's tied to I don't think it's just tied to just this main topic. I think it's tied to this as well because I think it's all it's all together. If you don't make time for your wellness, you'll be forced to make time for your illness. Right. So that that talks about health. But part of your health is your financial health and what you're doing for yourself and your family and making those long-term plans and, and doing that stuff. So I, I really like that quote. I, I still think it ties in nicely here. So I really want to thank you, Martin. This was a outstanding episode. I, I, I'm very excited by this one. Yeah, very cool. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, Martin, it. we want to let you have the last word. Any bits of advice, today's takeaways, plugs for your website, for your book, and then we'll we'll kind of we'll do the wrap up. We have our normal outro that we uh, go through. So, uh, take it away, Martin. Yeah, I, I'd say you know everything starts with uh, forming the right mindset. Um, you know, knowing that that you can you can do it. You know, listening to any anybody, Les Brown, Tony Robbins. Start, you know, bringing as much positivity into your life as possible. And, uh, and, and yeah, and all this is building passive income, all this, you know, it's going to take work, but, uh, like Paul mentioned, you know, you're, you're either going to work on your wellness now, or it's going to be an illness later. And, um, just no one's looking out for you like you. So, you know, it's, you know, get it going and reach out to me for any, anything I'm here. I, I don't, you know, doesn't matter about BeQuest or any of that. Like if you if you just had a question in general about node investing or whatever, you know, folks can just reach out to me. Very cool. I'll be available. very cool. We'll post all the information on our Facebook page and uh, and thank you once again, uh, Paul and Martin. I thoroughly enjoyed our discussion today, and I'm personally looking forward to our next one uh, with an emphasis on, emphasis on next one. Um, thanks everyone for downloading our podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at financialdads at gmail.com. Or check us out on Facebook. Just go to financialdads.com. So with that, this is Paul and Paul reminding you, managing finances can be stressful. But that's why the Financial Dads are here to help you plan for success. Have a good one, everybody. Be well, and thank you. 